Hello and welcome to Season 1 of Career Inspiration by VentureFizz. On this episode, Keith Klein is joined by Chris McMahon, VP of People and Culture at Turbonomic. They discuss the Turbonomic hiring process, overcoming recruitment challenges, and the importance of a follow-up email. Hello everyone and welcome to Season 1 of the VentureFizz Career Inspiration Podcast. I'm Keith Klein, the founder of VentureFizz and the host for today's program. As you probably know, careers in the Boston tech scene is core to what VentureFizz is all about. We have the top job board in the industry for you to hopefully take the next step in your career. Our biz pages allow you to take a virtual tour of all the companies in the Boston tech scene and check out their culture and job openings. Plus, we have lots of great content where you can read great stories about people and companies in the Boston tech scene. But for our first season of this Career Inspiration podcast, we really wanted to give our audience the opportunity to hear from leaders that are in uh, these fast-growing companies and how they're heading up the talent acquisition function. So our goal is just that, to give you some insight into how a talent acquisition function works, plus some practical lessons learned if you are recruiting for your own company. Today, I'm really excited to have Chris McMahon on our show. He is the VP of People and Culture at Turbonomic. Chris has led recruiting and talent acquisition for some of Boston's fastest growing and well-known companies. I'll have him tell you more about his background, but I have to say it is an honor, not only because he's a legend in the Boston tech scene, but he's also a legend in the basketball court, having played for Saugus High, playing for the Jumbos, and I was just online and realized how many times his name comes up in the record books. So Chris, I know this isn't about basketball, but welcome to the program. I'm excited to have a legend with us today. Thank you, Keith. Yeah, we can. If you want to talk about basketball for the next thirty minutes, I'm happy to. <laughs> we can definitely do that. <laughs> and also, for full disclosure here, Chris and I go way back. Uh, we actually cut our teeth in the recruiting industry many moons ago. But um, you know, he's gone off to do some really spectacular things. So again, super excited to have you with, with us today. Great, thank you. Excited so to be always, here. Well, I always like to start off because no one graduates from college with a recruiting degree. So. How and why did you get into the recruiting function? It's a great question. So I was an economics major coming out of Tufts University. Um, and coming out, I, I started my career in accounting. And this may sound like a similar story to you, Keith. I know we've got some parallels here. Um, and I, I did that role for, I mean, it was less than a year. And decided quickly this was not the right career path for me. <laughs> so I shifted gears knowing that I wanted to get into a role where it was going to be sales oriented. It was going to be involved working with people, being more collaborative, having more control over my destiny. And my brother at the time was working at Darwin Partners mm-hmm. and went in, interviewed. Next thing you know, I'm on a full commission pl- comp plan with a $20,000 draw and uh, dove right in. And next thing you know, fast forward, what, 20 something years and, and here I am. Well, that's a great segue. So if you could share with our audience the different roles that you've held each step along the way since leaving the uh, the agency world. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the first role was at Darwin Partners, which was, you know, being a, a recruiter. And the focus there, which, of course, you and I had worked together for a chunk of that time, mm-hmm. um, you know, recruiting high-end talent and then placing them predominantly into tech startups and emerging growth companies. And it was great. It was awesome. I did that for a few years. Interestingly enough, you know, one of my clients during that time, one of our clients during that time was a company called 170 Systems. And I had I just had an interest in going to help build a company, right? And it was earlier in my career and and made that shift to, you know, kind of the the very, 
I don't know, prototypical startup at the time, right? Three founders who had graduated from MIT with computer science degrees. It was 30-something people working out of Cambridge and went there and had a great run for close to 10 years. And, you know, we built the company and we were incredibly selective in how we were hiring talent and the types of folks that we brought on board. And it was just a, a tremendous experience for me. And, you know, it was a blended role to both of, of talent acquisition and then running kind of a, an overall talent and HR function for us too. Uh, and doing that, that led me to Indeca, which Indeca was really kind of that next stage up, right? So you're looking at a little bit north of, you know, revenue about a hundred million. We got up to about 150 million at the time of our acquisition. You know, at the time, I think 400 people when I arrived got north of 500 people prior to the acquisition. And it was just a great opportunity. Worked with some amazing people. Uh, I departed there following the acquisition and went to Vistaprint. And, and the appeal there, I mean, Vistaprint is just an amazing company, but the appeal there was just to see um, this type of function and to operate at a whole different scale, right? Mm -hmm. Global components and how do you go and execute against a talent strategy uh, for a company that's publicly traded, work with an amazing kind of HR and talent team there. So had a great run for three years. But I, you know, I think I determined that I want to get back to really the build stage. I think what I enjoy the most is helping build, you know, kind of startups or, you know, really these emerging growth companies where you can go in and help establish a TA function, you know, get some of that critical talent early, early in the early in the time during that that company's life cycle, and and make a big impact. You know, you get to wear a lot of hats. So I've been here at Turbonomic now for about two and a half years. Wow. Okay. So for the uh, our audience that might not be familiar with Turbonomic, what do you guys do? So we have a, a hybrid cloud management platform, right? So this is a software platform that enables the, the biggest companies in the world to execute their cloud strategy, right? So we, we talk about assuring application performance and maximizing efficiency within their, their infrastructure and then their, their cloud capacity and cloud spend. So, you know, we, we, we talk, it's talking about flipping IT on its head. Right, so it's going through, and we are bringing transformational technology to the market. Right, so we're bringing a new way of solving an old problem for these folks. And when you bring in the cloud component, which you know every company is looking to execute this type of strategy, and Turbonomic is the platform that they'll go execute off that. So we've been growing, growing like crazy. Uh, it's been a fun ride. We're expanding quickly, multiple geos, a huge addressable market, and just attracting. A level of talent you can look at our leadership team here that I think is uh, for this stage I haven't seen anything like it right when you look at the leadership team that's come on board here seeing what the opportunity is in front of us yeah no doubt it's a spectacular team and yeah very meaningful company to the Boston tech scene so what I think is really interesting about your background is you went from a venture back company 170 systems backed by Polaris to Indeca that had already raised a lot of capital and was already at that you know, growth stage of scale to Vistaprint, like you said, of a you know, global footprint publicly traded to Turbonomic that was super hyper growth stage. So what are the differences that you've noticed each step along the way uh, as it relates to building a talent acquisition function? Yeah, you know, 170 Systems was, uh, you know, we had taken the round from Polaris, I think somewhere within a couple of years of me being there, something like that. I mean, the early days were interesting. I mean, this was, you know, bootstrap mode, right? Which was, 
you know, you had founders who had, you know, built this company from scratch. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think they started it with a consulting engagement at a, at a big customer. I think it was AT&T way back when and had taken that, had come up with the concept around what the product was and then started to get some momentum and hired some incredibly smart people and really started to build it out. And so that was a place where, you know, given that, you know, we, we weren't super deep in the amount of money that we had and we didn't have a big kind of discretionary spend. Um, we had incredibly high bar for talent, right? We had to be super conscious of bringing folks on board, had to wear multiple hats at all times. I mean, I, you know, I did obviously did a lot of recruiting. I, I had run HR. I was helping out with the sales team sometimes, <laughs> you know, you're doing, you know, somebody would knock on your door and you need some help and you had to go do it. And, you know, we had slower growth. Some of it was the market opportunity that we had. Some of it was the competition layer. But we what we built was a great company. I think the folks there, the culture was great mm -hmm. and really an excellent team. And so going to Indeca, uh, which was kind of later stage in terms of its kind of build cycle, was, you know, we, we had come out of an economic time where there was a dip, right? And I joined right after the dip when Indeca started to rise back up. And, and it was really fun. And a part was that was interesting to me. We were actually pivoting and it had created kind of a, a new business unit that was focusing on the business intelligence space. And how do we go kind of build that team, build that function? You know, and you're working for a, a very smart and talented leader in Steve Papa. And Steve deeply values acquiring high-end talent. So um, that was a fun ride. I mean, it, some of the, the process components, you know, as you think about um, hiring and recruiting people, were in place, but this became modifying those process pieces um, and making sure that we had the right, the brand components and understanding what the profile was to get those folks on board, uh, to make sure that we're getting out and getting to this new part of the market while continuing to execute really in the e-commerce space as well. And so that, it, it was a fun ride. And Vistaprint was, how do you execute against uh, a number of different types of recruiting buckets, right? So there was you know, one, how do you find high-end talent in the Boston market, right? Technology, engineers, um, high-end marketers, those types of roles. Then how do you staff a call center in Jamaica? How do you build out a manufacturing plant in Canada? How do you go and you do something similar in Europe and India and Tunis? And it was, that part to me was super interesting where, you know, it was a much bigger team for me running global talent acquisition for Vistaprint. And, and that, that was also the time that we transformed into under the umbrella of Simpress. Uh, you know, a team of 40 or 50 in 10 different countries, right? And so it, it was very fun, very interesting. Um, but it, it was, again, the appeal of Turbonomic was going back, and this was building, right? There were some pieces in place here, but this was, I got here when we were coming off a of bookings year of about 30 million, right? And now we're, we've seen, you know, some great growth in terms of both the headcount and the bookings and the revenue. And this is hyper growth, right? We, we've taken on some funding and, uh, and this is really kind of building a lot of the pieces from scratch. And how do you build out, you know, a best in class, uh, not only recruiting team, but a recruiting culture within the organization, right? And how do you make it systematic and how do you make it repeatable? And how do you do that when you're hiring? I mean, this year we'll probably hire 300 people, right? And, and these are folks who are all over the country, all over the world, and how you maintain consistency and the, the talent that you're bringing on board, and how do you make sure that you keep up with the pace that is expected from uh, expected from our leadership team and from our investors and from our board. So that, that's a perfect segue of uh, what I was thinking of next is, as you are in hyper growth mode um, at all these different phases, like how do you keep that bar? You know, every company wants to hire the best people, 
uh, and yeah. you've worked some for some founders and CEOs that are certainly known for hiring the best people and not dipping the bar whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So how do you keep the bar that high as the company scales, especially as the world of recruitment has definitely changed uh, from the days at Indeca to what they are now? Yeah. And so this is, you know, what, certainly executing against a hiring plan is a big part of the job. Um, but I am, uh, I am the keeper of the bar. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. So it, it is funny. We joke, Ben Nye, who's our CEO and, and Ben, he, he's put his trust, uh, in myself and our team to maintain that bar for the, for the organization. So, you know, the part that doesn't scale is, is yes, I do meet a tremendous amount of people, right? Interview a lot of the folks, make sure that we're maintaining that, that level of talent within the organization. But behind that, we're creating a systematic approach, right? Which is, as we look at each role, we're, you know, obviously we're defining what the role is, what the, what the experiences are that would, what we think would equate to success within that role, but also what are the underlying attributes and competencies and defining those out. And then we take a very structured approach to the interview process, which is assigning kind of competency and focus areas to each of the interviewers. And then we do a scoring system, right? And we track that and, you know, we report off that and we use that when there's times for debate, we set up our debriefs and we talk through candidates. Um, and a piece that is a huge part for us that, that I think folks all will acknowledge is an important part of recruiting someone and assessing fit is we go super deep on reference checking. Um, you know, this is a piece. And, and I think as we, we think of our craft, you know, I, the reality is, you know, if I were to interview you, Keith, for an hour, mm -hmm. how, how much am I really going to learn? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to, I, I can, I can go and find out some things and look at some experiences versus being able to, to have kind of an in-depth conversation of someone who's known you for two years, five years, 10 years, whatever it might be, you know, so we, we spend a lot of time and, and we do this at the risk of actually extending the recruiting cycle sometimes for a week, right? Where mm -hmm. candidates are ready to go and are we losing momentum? But this is such an important investment for us and for them. You know, we want to make the right decision. They want to make the right decision. And we spend a lot of time there. And, and it's not that I and, and my team haven't done this before in other roles, but I would say, you know, we're spending a lot more time there now. And, and actually the trend for us is we'll probably continue to spend even more time in that bucket as we continue to bring people on board. So what references are you checking? Because obviously you can ask a candidate for references and they're sure. going to give you some, yeah. but are you uh, going beyond that? Yeah, and we are. And we'll, we'll, we'll often, you know, folks that we know who may know that person, and we'll tell the candidates too, if we're going to, like, hey, we're going to call this person, we know them. Um, you know, we want to be transparent. That's a big part of what the culture is here. But we, as we do that, we'll, we'll check the ones there uh, that they're going to provide for us, but also make sure that we're doing our own diligence too. Got it. Makes sense. So you're hiring pretty much across the company, right? And every Correct. function. So um, what what functions do you find particularly challenging? Um, you know, is it sales? Is it engineering? Is it oh my god? It's all the above. Like yeah, they're 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 all hard. I think yeah. you know that. <laughs> so I don't think I can't think back. Wow, mm -hmm. this hire was easy. Um, you know, building out our enterprise sales team took some time. Mm -hmm. And I think one was for us to get our brand out in the market and folks knowing who we were. And some of that was making this transition from, I, I associate some pieces with VM Turbo, right? Which was our name uh, prior to, to the rebrand to Turbonomic. And some of that actually was the go-to-market approach in which we had, you know, more of a, a smaller deal size, more of a transactional sales model really over the course 
you know, it was really, you know, somewhere around 18 to 24 months ago, we, we made this kind of transition to becoming an enterprise software company, focusing on the bigger customers who are out there uh, and, and selling to Fortune 5000 type companies versus uh, prior to that, looking at a total addressable market of maybe the top 20,000. Um, and so building out that enterprise team was, you know, kind of overcoming some of the, uh, the brand components and some of the perceptions that existed of us out in the market and just finding high-end talent. So building out that team was not easy, but we, we've gotten there. Uh, but I would say the most difficult one is for us and so is one of, this, one of these is the competitiveness in the market. The other part is there's not a big amount of super deep and qualified candidates are um, software engineers and development folks who are deep uh, with cloud experience and expertise, right? So as we're doing that, so we're, we're developing a lot of folks internally, but are constantly on the lookout of being able to add that type of experience to the team. And that, that one, um, I don't know when that one's going to get easy. Probably never. <laughs> yeah, I've been, that's a good trend that I've been hearing, not only in engineering, but like product management, a product manager that has experience Correct. working with AWS and Azure. And so it's, uh, it's definitely a challenging area. So I always like to give advice to um, founders that you know perhaps they're building their first company and they're recruiting and thinking through the steps of talent acquisition and you know what what should they do like what should they be thinking about when do they bring a recruiter in you know when does it get real for them to actually start thinking about talent acquisition hire them early hire them early. Uh, it, it, it sounds self-serving, but you know, so I can even use 170 systems as an example. I mean, I got there, I think I was employee 30 for them, which I, I don't know if folks are, are thinking that early when bringing on board that type of person. But I, I had this conversation with um, uh, Jason Purcell. So Jason and I have worked together in a decade now uh, is the CEO at Salsify. And, you know, it's funny, as he looked back and he had brought on board one of the folks who was on the Indeca team to go oversee recruiting and, and to run HR for him. It, it was it was interesting because, you know, yeah, he's like, this is, you know, one of the things that I wish I did a little bit earlier. Right. And it actually was the advice that he had got from his investors to do it early. Right. And, and can you do it at, you know, within your first 10 or 20 employees? If you can, I think you're ahead of the game. Right. If you're building a company that's going to be something that is building for growth and building for investment into the organization. You know, we, we talk here, it's, um, I noted working for, for Ben as our CEO here at Turbonomic and, you know, one of the, he puts it so simply, which is, he's like, Chris, the best team wins, right? And, and there's other pieces to that, you know, you have to mold the team and create synergies and, and coach and develop. But when he looks at talent as being paramount to anything else within the company, Right. And if you can start that early and, and one, get that talent in the door and two, just build that muscle of hiring a plus people, it will be a competitive advantage for years and years and years. I think the value is also the candidate experience. It's a competitive market. And if you don't have someone effectively managing that process of finding not only through their own network or employee referrals or um, you know, referrals from the board of candidates, but you need a much larger funnel these days. You need someone managing that process so that the interview is succinct with the company's culture and each step along the way, somebody is still fully engaged versus things getting missed or dropping the ball and the candidate doesn't have the best experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, we're still, we're, we're far from perfect in our experience too, sometimes with candidates, but yeah, if, if uh, it matters, 
right? For candidates who are coming through, super competitive market. You know, we're sitting here in, in, in Boston um, where folks are going to have the pick of some great companies to go to and you have to create differentiation. And if, if you don't do that, um, they're not going to come work at your company. So uh, Boston, what, what functions sit in Boston? You guys have offices in lots of areas, but yep. is it it's sales? What else is in Boston? So we have sales, marketing, uh, G&A, and then we have a small engineering team here as well. And the, the biggest part for us, I think we've got a little bit north of 200 people here in Boston. Um, the sales team is the one that's growing, is growing aggressively. We're hiring across all the functions. The sales team that we have here, which is focused on a, a commercial segment for us, uh, is doing great, growing aggressively, hiring account executives into that group. Uh, and it's a big part of what the culture and environment here is in Boston, too. Right down, We're right down at 500 Boils in a back bay. Mm -hmm. So what's the best way to get a job at Turbonomic, then? It's gonna find, I, I feel like I sound like a US Army commercial. Be prepared. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's true. I, you know, as we think about, you know, it, it's, it sounds simple as a competency that equates to success, a turbonomic preparedness um, it is at or near the top, right? And this is to us, as you come in, knowing what we do, who we are, why we matter. Did you read the white papers? Did you watch a video? Do you know who our leadership team is? Uh, those things, you're you going in and preparing and doing your homework to us is indicative of how you're going to approach your role at Turbonomic, right? Meaning every meeting, every call, you know, whether you're developing a product or selling our software or marketing our software or recruiting people, whatever it might be, it's such an indicator for us, right? Being organized, being prepared, being thorough. I mean, I, I was actually just at my desk and you know, cleaning some of it out, and I, I have, I, I tend to keep all the resumes and what candidates give me. I, I had binders upon binders, Keith. It was so great of folks that had given me that were taking me through, you know, their history, their career, their references, all, all these things. And, you know, what they want to do, what they had learned about us, their 30, 60, 90 day plans when they get started. And, and that, that preparedness, that matters to us. And it matters a lot. Are there, are there other things that people, you know, the things you shouldn't do type of thing, right? So being prepared, you know, it's obviously a huge disappointment if the show if the candidate shows up and they're just not in the know of what the company does or the job and yeah. they're just not prepared. That's like that's gonna toss you out of the process pretty quickly. Yeah. Are there other common things that candidates may do that they may might not be aware of that that's kind of a, a negative reflection on them? Yeah, I, you know, it sounds. I, I don't think it sounds silly, but uh, lean in, right? If you are, if there is a level of genuine interest. In Turbonomic, right? I, I can understand if you walk in these doors and like, hey, this isn't for me. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, and that's okay. But if there's an interest level, you know, we're sitting here, we're working really hard, and we've got a lot of folks who are really proud of what we built. And what, what often will get, you know, I know our excitement will get candidates excited, but when we see a candidate excited about what we're doing, how they can contribute, all, all of those things, it, it makes a difference. Right. And, and as we think about their candidacy, again, it's that level of enthusiasm that they have. And oftentimes it's their ability to see our problem that we're solving in the market and their understanding of that. And they're just like and the ones who come in and they understand it. And they're just like, wow, like what you guys are doing is amazing. I've seen this gap in the market for years and didn't think anybody was going to go solve it. And I can't believe that you're doing this. And, and I could then go do X, Y and Z. And, and if you do that and, and it's within our interview process, it's um. We actually have a lot of executive involvement. So as you think about our leadership team here, they tend to be deeply involved. For them to hear 
not only the preparedness, but then in turn, the excitement about the opportunity, because we all see it, you know, granted, we live here and we spend a lot of time um, thinking about the market and how we fit. But for someone who to come in and they start to really lean in, that that gets us, us really excited. And that makes us feel like, okay, this is going to be a, a, another great member to our team. So enthusiasm, it matters. Yeah, it does matter. It does matter. So this is just a more of a blocking and tackling question that I get from candidates. And you would think in today's world of, you know, everyone has their own digital footprint as far as their persona online, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, or whatever. Uh, do resumes and cover letters still matter? Like, you know, is that still part of the process? I'll get people ask me like, hey, can you review my resume and looking for feedback? Or do I need to write a cover letter? I think people are confused in today's world that is it, you know, should I just send my LinkedIn profile? So what's what matters? Yeah, I, so um, cover letter, I, I don't put a lot of stock into a cover letter, right? That, it's not something that I'm looking for. Somewhat, not, I don't know if this is related, but a follow-up, a thoughtful follow-up email or a follow-up communication from a candidate post-interview, that does matter to us. And again, this is again being thoughtful to your approach. Are you prepared? Are you organized? Those types of things. Mm -hmm. um, a resume, you know, depending, you know, if the if the profile that you have is detailed enough on LinkedIn, to me, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but absent of that, we would want to see something that's a little bit more detailed. I mean, the ask generally of me and and the recruiting team here, as we are interviewing someone or assessing someone for fit at Turbonomic. Generally, we're, we're going through their background and it's a verification of experience, right? And you're looking at roles and what did they do and what changed and you get into, you know, what was the situation, what was the action and what was the result? You go through those types of questions and, and oftentimes you have an hour, right? And I don't want to spend that whole hour asking them questions. I want to tell them about us. I want to answer their questions. So the, the resume or a profile with a level of detail behind it just helps me not have to ask as many questions and, and I can I can bring a little bit of structure to it and I can generally get at what I need and I can follow through that while giving plenty of time to talk about whatever else might be on the candidate's mind. So you personally, like how do you evaluate talent based on looking at a resume or you know looking at the LinkedIn profile? Like what are the things you're looking for to decide whether or not you're going to speak to that person? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a kind of baseline of experiences that you're looking for that I think we would all agree upon, right? There's there's a set of skills and experiences that we would ideally want within a particular role, right? And sometimes if you're in early stage, you may be looking for somebody a little bit more junior earlier on in your career where you can have a little bit more flex there. Um, a big piece to me is understanding them as a person and how they make decisions. Right. So I and, and we often spend a lot of time with them understanding why they left a certain company and why they went to a new company. Right. And, and so we really we dig in there because this helps us get at what motivates them, what makes them tick. You know, why would, would they be happy at Turbonomic? And, you know, when you understand some of those motivators and you understand what's really behind the decision making for them, you can you can really start to get at them as a as a person. Right. And, and how are they going to then in turn fit into our culture and our environment? I, it's funny because I've been saying this to a lot of candidates because a question that I'll often get is, you know, what what makes up a successful engineer? What makes up a successful salesperson? And I, I generally am pulling up the resume. I'm like, OK, so I'm like some of the things here matter. I'm like, but it's everything underneath this that matters more. Right. Which is getting at them as a person. And what's their general makeup and what are kind of their core competencies and attributes? And I'm like, and does that fit for us? 
and then we tend to spend a little bit of time on that, which is, you know, how are they describing some of the depth of their their attributes? Where do their strengths lie? And what can they bring to the table? What would they leverage in the first 90 days, 180 days, first year? And how is that going to fit with us? So you talked about some of the traits of what you look for as people are interviewing and potentially joining Turbonomic. But uh, once, let's say, someone is hired, what can they expect? Like, what's the culture like there? What, what can people expect, you know, during the course of their career? Yeah. Uh, well, what it's fun, right? <laughs> so we, we have a good time, which is great. Uh, but we're we're trying to do something something unique, which is and unique to me is building a great software company in Boston that has long term or sustainable success. And I think we, you and I know. I mean, that's that's not easy to do, right? I think um, I think Ben often will quote a statistic that is I think it's 0.1 percent of venture-backed software companies get to 100 million. Um, maybe maybe we're making that up, I don't know. But it, it, sounds, it sounds about right. Low percentage. Low yeah, percentage. incredibly low percentage. And I think for us, when you think about the environment, so with that, with the fun comes, uh, we work hard. You know, we have high standards for performance. The team here is, is excellent. Um, there's no hierarchy, right? When you, when you walk the halls, you're going to go and you're going to see you know, we just hired Mark Thurman, who's our new COO. You'll see Bill Vecti, and who's our exec chairman. You'll see Ben. I mean, like everyone is here. Everyone is out in the open. Everyone is accessible. Everyone is responsive, and it just creates an environment. It creates to me a learning environment for folks to collaborate and to learn from some of the the brightest minds in the industry. But we've been able to to attract that type of talent here. And for somebody coming on board at whatever stage of your career, I've had some of the best coaching moments of my career here. Um, it, it's been fantastic. And that, that to me is a differentiator for somebody coming on board to Turbonomic. That's great. Well, I'm very hopeful that you do lo build a long standing company, one of the anchors in Boston that's around for many, many, many years. So we're all rooting for that to happen. Well, Chris, well, thanks so much for taking the time for sharing your words of wisdom with our audience. Uh, I know I learned a lot from this, but uh, always like to close things out by giving you an opportunity to. Say anything that you'd like as far as, you know, if you guys have anything going on, if you want to promote any of the hiring that you have. Yeah. So, yes, of course, we're, we're hiring across the company and across the globe for specifically here in Boston, uh, hiring account executives into our sales team. We're hiring to the marketing organization, GNA. We are growing super aggressively. We are out in the market, often running events here with, with, at the Turbonomic headquarters. Uh, and getting very visible and at some other networking events. So uh, folks can always feel free to reach out to me directly. I'm pretty responsive and pretty active out there. So uh, if you want to be on, on board a rocket ship, this is the one to get on. And not only is it a rocket ship, but it has one of the top roof decks in Boston. It sure does. Great view, right? You get to see all of Back Bay. You get to see the Cancock. It's awesome. It's pretty amazing. So, Well, Chris, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Keith. That's our show. Thank you for listening. To propel your career forward, go to VentureViz.com, where you can visit our biz pages for a virtual tour of Boston's fastest-growing companies, check out our job board for listings of over 2,000 positions, and read about the latest in Boston's tech scene. Last but not least, please remember to subscribe to Career Inspiration by VentureViz on iTunes, your podcast player of choice. And if you like it, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Have a great week, and no matter what, keep moving forward.